Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 48 of the Mandolins and Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. How's everybody doing today? Hope you're doing good. It's also brought to you in part by Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses and mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old-time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including Beginning Mandolin and Intermediate Bluegrass Mandolin with Sharon Gilchrist, Bluegrass Mandolin Jam Favorites and the Advancing Mandolinist with Joe K. Walsh, Monroe Style Mandolin with Mike Compton, Melodic Mandolin Tunes with John Reichman, Chord Melody Mandolin with Aaron Weinstein, Irish Mandolin with Marla Feibish, and Theory for Mandolin and Fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now. Get your first month free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. It's all one word, MANDOLINBEER. Now I'd also like to welcome brand new sponsor going forward, Northfield Mandolins. Um, I interviewed Adrian a few weeks ago, and it was just a great conversation in the heart that they put into these mandolins and the constant changing to be better is just inspiring. Um, so go out and check out a Northfield mandolin. Their website's incredible as well. It's northfieldinstruments.com. I'll have a link at the sponsor page at mandolinsandbeer.com. And go check that out. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. So welcome to Northfield, and thank you so much. I, I appreciate these sponsors. It means a huge, huge thing to me. It helps keep this going, and, uh, and uh, it means a lot to have all you listeners as well and all the positive emails y'all send, and I really appreciate it. You guys are the best. And we're coming up on one year of this podcast. I can't believe it, and I have got a great guests lined up for the uh for the one year the one year anniversary and actually i'm going to do two podcasts that week if i can make this happen with everybody's schedule so i have a special guest and then i have another person who's been an incredible guest on the podcast and he is going to do a track by track story with me or track by track episode and we are going to go over just a killer classic mandolin album. I cannot wait for that as well. So more announcements for that coming up as we're getting on the one-year anniversary. And I'm going to start doing that track-by-track track, um, as bonus episodes, or extra episodes, I should say. Wednesdays, I'm going to try to stick to a, uh, a guest. And then as I get the opportunity to do these track-by-track track episodes, I'm going to add those as extra episodes throughout the week. The whole purpose I put this podcast together was to talk to some of my favorite mandolin players, and then as they have new projects coming out, the ability for them to get out there and talk about that project and uh, help promote their stuff. And so that's what I'm trying to do here, and I really appreciate everybody. Be sure to go to Spotify's playlist, Mandolin's a Beer Playlist. Hey, I've got a small batch of shirts back in. I'll get that fixed on the website, and hats should be here by the end of this week. We can do those shirts tie-dyed as well. So let's get into this episode with Nick Dumas. Cheers, everybody. All right, now I'd like a welcome to the podcast, Nick Dumas. Nick, how are you today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to right on. Gr- great to talk to you today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, gosh. Oh, no problem. I uh, appreciate you having me on the show, man. It's an honor. Oh, th- thanks, man. And we were just talking, you're in Wisconsin, and you have a pretty cool cool thing going on over there in your uh in your neck of the woods you were telling me about so let's start off with telling people about that yeah well i'm up here in sturgeon bay wisconsin which is the northeast corner of the state kind of above green bay it's a little little tourist area called door county and um it's it's if you if you look at wisconsin like on the map kind of you look at green bay there's that little peninsula that that dumps up over out between green bay and lake michigan that's where we are but um, we have um, my my wife and um, her family and I have we have an old century old barn that we've restored into a music venue, and um, we call it the Fiddler's Farm. And my 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 wife and her family are all musicians as well. My wife is two time Wisconsin State Fiddle Champion, and wow. her dad is a Nashville quality guitar player. Her mom's a great bass player, and um, we we have a house band here that that plays in the in the in the barn and seeing we're a big tourist area as it is you know that's kind of our goal is to 
not only just get the locals, of course, but to, to target the tourists coming through on weekends and such and do a music shows every weekend. We do bluegrass, classic country and Western swing. And man, is it a blast. It is so much fun. It's so much fun just getting to walk out to my backyard to the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet, man. But yeah, it's it's really cool. And uh, we have a website for us, thefiddlersfarm.com. And oh, great. Uh, we've done some weddings here as well. Actually, my wife and I got married here last year, last summer. It's coming up on a year now. Oh, wow. Congrats. And, um, thank you. And uh, it's it's such a fun adventure, you know, and we have a excuse me we have a uh, steel guitar player that comes up and joins us for the country stuff and he's phenomenal but he also plays dobro for the bluegrass and it's it's really really cool we want to bring like the best of all three of those genres to the show you know we don't we, you know they, we don't want to sound like a country band trying to play bluegrass or vice versa <laughs> you know what i mean I absolutely <laughs> we, want, we want to make sure all three styles are 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 nailed right on but it's so much fun. It's a really cool venture. I'm happy to be part of it. That's awesome. And that area, um, Lake Michigan area too, is just it is so beautiful. Oh gosh, yeah. It's it's as it's as pretty as it gets out here. And everything right now, at least, is still nice and green. <laughs> it's not. It's, everything's not brown and dead yet. But it's uh, it's it's really pretty. I I'm coming from Seattle myself. It's quite a change quite a culture shock a little bit but it's it's just as beautiful in a different way and i've i've really really grown to love this place that's amazing and you've also yeah. been doing the uh, online lessons as well and i'd like to talk yeah that's to, what talk about that that's so. what i'm doing uh full time now for 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 my living is uh, i teach mandolin lessons uh online or in person if anybody's close by to where i am but yeah i i teach mandolin lessons on skype and i'm always looking for more students and uh you know just one always looking to fill up that schedule i have a great base of students right now and they're all having a blast as am i and um uh, yeah, if, if you know anybody looking for mandolin lessons, send them my way. There you go. What's the uh, should they just go right to your website to uh, to check that out? Yeah, um, I have info for that on my website. Contact information. It's nickdumasmusic.com and last name D U M A S, and that's at nickdumasmusic.com. Awesome, and I'll have links for all this stuff too on the uh, on the yeah. mandolins of beer website, and and people will be able to find you. So that's great. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I got all the information on there and um, contact info. How long, stuff. how long have you been doing the uh, online lessons? I've been doing them for several years now. Um, I started doing the, the biggest thing, I, I guess when I got on the road with Special Consensus back in 2015 is when I really, really started getting it going because I moved away. I moved away from Seattle uh, to, to be a little closer to the band. Well, I had a lot of students out in Seattle that were in person. And they didn't want to quit lessons. So I'm like, well, you know what? I know a lot of people are trying the Skype thing and trying online. So that's when I kind of started doing that. Nice. And uh, I've been teaching a long time. I've been doing regular in-person lessons, oh, God, 10 plus years probably or more. Holy cow. Um, and then uh, started the Skype once I started getting on the road just to keep – because I wanted to keep those those people as my students, and they wanted to keep going. So and i was surprised i was like you know this works out really well uh you know there's a little bit of an internet delay but we get past that and it works out just fine and it's very successful every every student i've had and still do have and i've actually got a lot of students all over the country now I actually have somebody from england that's going to be starting up this weekend oh so no kidding kind of fun. yeah oh, that's awesome and um so yeah, it's it's good. It, it, I I really enjoy it. It's it's a lot of fun getting to meet new people, getting to make a lot of new friends. I've got some amazing new friends I've made through it, and it's uh it definitely wouldn't. I don't regret doing it at all. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's been I think it's been like a saving grace for for musicians, especially in oh, this in this time. You know, my gosh, you know, yeah, a, a way to do I'm, it. So incredibly thankful for all the students I have. I I I've have I've have more students than I've ever had right now. And that, and that actually, that list has grown since COVID became a thing. And, you know, it's, I'm very thankful for it. It's, you know, it's keeping the bills paid and, and I uh, get to enjoy what I'm doing at the same time and, and help people learn an instrument and bring joy to their world. So you grew up in Seattle? Yes, sir. 
on the just the north north side of downtown, uh, about 20, 30 minutes north of there. That's another beautiful area. Oh gosh, yeah. Tell me about it. It's uh, <laughs> I miss it every day. <laughs> you know, you, a lot of times, you know, places you grew up, you can just kind of take it for granted, you know, and then you move away and you realize, wow, I really, really do miss the beauty of this place. But that's something that never happened to me. I even while I was living there, I just couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. So how did you uh, how did you find yourself playing a mandolin? Well, uh, music kind of uh, random runs in my family. Uh, my grandpa is a dobro player and a steel guitar player, and I would always uh, listen to him play music uh, when I was growing up. He had a country gospel, country bluegrass gospel band, and they would. He lived. He and my gra- my grandma lived right across the street from me when I was living out there. So um, he would have band practice every week, and I'd go to their shows. And I was actually really inspired by their fiddle player. So I actually started playing fiddle as my first instrument. That was uh, that was where I got into it. And uh, you don't want to hear me on fiddle now. It's a little <laughs> scary. <laughs> but um, I uh, started taking fiddle lessons, and um, my aunt chopped on mandolin. She just kind of played some chords and such like that. And I was I noticed I was like oh, that's tuned the same as a violin. So. I started, she had her showed me some chords and such. I'm like, hey, I really like this. And I started listening to more mandolin players like Ricky Skaggs and and Adam Steffi and all those, you know, all the all the greats. And I was like, yeah, I'm loving this. And it started it started really getting its grip on me. So I started really, really working on it. And then um, I had a family band for a little while with my mom and my grandpa and my aunt and a couple great friends of ours and uh ended up forming a band called northern departure out of that band it's here that nick and i get disconnected but we pick it right back up here from northern departure so northern departure uh was uh, a band that i formed out of the family band because uh, austin mcgregor was the banjo player in the family band and he's a phenomenal banjo player he lives out in Asheville, north carolina now and then um, Derek Gray was the bass player. And I uh, remember him starting out through the family band and starting out playing bass. And he was like, man, this kid's going to be good, too. <laughs> and then we met Chris Luquette at um, Bluegrass Festival out that way. And we all started jamming and hanging out. It's like, man, this is a cool sound. We should we should maybe get some gigs. And the family band dissolved and Northern Departure kept going and um, actually ended up being one of the more popular bands in the Northwest because we, uh, we played all the big festivals out there and all pretty much any bluegrass gig you could think of. They wanted us out there, which was really cool. And, uh, you guys put out a couple albums too. Yeah, we did, um, and they're actually still available. Um, uh, speaking of albums, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit with my own, but have I actually had the Northern Departure albums available on my website. Oh, Because we still have plenty of them left. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're fun. If you like some good hard-driving bluegrass, there's some good stuff on there. What was the um, um, what was the type of stuff that you guys were, uh, were, were playing when you guys first started getting together in jam sessions? Was it just traditional tunes, or were there any particular bands you were focusing on, working on? Well, traditional tunes for sure. Yeah, we I considered ourselves kind of a moderately traditional contemporary bluegrass band. I guess cool. uh, we we loved you know bands at the time like the Dan Tominsky band. They were they were all over the place at the time, and we just went crazy about them. But we also loved the infamous String Dusters. We did a lot of jam stuff kind of like that and and then kept it 
traditional at the same time. We wanted to kind of, we wanted to cater to all ages of the audience and, and want to be a little bit of, a little bit of everything and not too much of one thing and too much of the other thing. Sure. And so, yeah, there's some, I mean, there was some, some times when we play, you know, good old bluegrass standards, the way they were written and the way they were originally recorded. And then there's some other songs that a lot of original material as well that, um, that I wrote and Chris Laquette wrote and, and uh, there was one instrumental tune that went on for about 10 minutes because we were just jamming <laughs> on and having fun. You know, and it's just that this kind of I would say just moderately uh, modern slash traditional bluegrass band. And it was it was a lot of fun. People enjoyed it. And that band went on for about five years, I want to say something like that. And then jobs got in the way life got in the way families got in the way and it was just harder for the guys to get on the road and then then actually chris luquette got called to go play with frank sullivan and dirty kitchen at the time as well so the him leaving the leaving the group to go play with frank kind of hindered it a little bit as well and and you know the other guys were just ready to for the next phase in their life you know sure can't can't argue against that at all and um there was another band I ended up uh, helping form out there with other friends of mine. Um, this was a, definitely a more traditional bluegrass band. It was called North Country. And if you could probably guess, there's a, a North theme going on here. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no connection either, really. <laughs> but that band is actually still going. Um, they, uh, Will McSeveny playing banjo, phenomenal traditional banjo player. He's so solid. Uh, a guy named Norm Olson playing guitar, Kent Powell on bass. And originally we had Stephen Burwell on fiddle, who was as of lately Doyle Lawson's fiddle player for the past six or seven years. Oh, wow. Cool. And he was another one of those out there in Washington that got snatched up by a big bluegrass band. And so that was the original lineup, including myself and kept going for there for a while. And Stephen went off to play with Doyle Lawson and we got a Dobro player from, um, British Columbia, Canada to come down. This kid was at the time we met him, he was only like 15 or 16 and absolutely one of the best Dobro players I've ever heard in my life. And um, his name is Michael Kilby. And he's still playing with the band now. And um, they got a replacement mandolin player uh, when I got called to play with Special Consensus. Uh, but they're still picking. How does that call come about for you? That, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty cool opportunity yeah that was that was i i could still think back to think back to that moment uh me thinking like was this a dream is, <laughs> is this real what's happening here <laughs> um i got to know the special c guys you know uh with the couple years before this happened and they've always been one of my favorite bands ever since i've started playing bluegrass because they've, they've been such a huge uh a huge name in the bluegrass world for 45 years this year now so wow. it's, that's holy just, cow <laughs> yeah one of the longest running bluegrass bands out there under the same name um but uh i got to know him got to see him at festivals they'd come out to washington festivals quite often and got to know the guys got to end up talking to him and coming back to the camp and jamming and such and really got a good friendship going with all those guys and throughout those couple of years and in 2015, uh, North Country actually got called to do a youth showcase at IBMA in Raleigh. And we were like jumping the gun on that. We were so excited about that. <laughs> and and so we went down there. And shortly before that is when Dustin Benson, a previous guitar player for the band for Special C, announced he was leaving the band. And I'm like, oh, man, well, they're going to be looking for a guitar player and i had a good buddy of mine that was with us on that trip and i was going to talk them into trying him out because i'm he's a phenomenal guitar player and great singer and so i uh, talked to rick ferris after uh, one of their showcases and said hey well if you're looking for a guitar player you need to try this guy out he's like oh yeah 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 we love this guy he's he's great we'll put him on the list and then rick looks at me he's like you know there's a chance, a big chance, we actually might be looking for a mandolin player. And I was like, and at this time, Rick was playing mandolin. And I just looked at him. I'm like, wait, really? And he's like, yeah, I might be going back to guitar because guitar is Rick's first instrument he, le he learned on. That's his first love. <laughs> and um, and he just, Rick just kind of looked at me all wide-eyed like, 
let's read between the lines here. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shoot, put me on the list. He's like, you already are. He said, Chris Luquette gave us a good recommendation for you. And uh, you're, if you want to try, if you want to have a tryout session with us this weekend, you know, you're on the list. I'm like, well, heck yeah. So tried out with them, hung out, just basically had a jam session and shooting the breeze. And uh, by the end of the weekend, they asked me to join the band. Wow. And I was just the, I was beyond myself. I couldn't, I I was, I couldn't speak. I, I didn't have words. <laughs> and so <laughs> went home and told my folks that, well, looks like I'm uh, part of special consensus now. And they were freaking out. And um, actually on the way back from IBMA, I called up Stephen Burwell uh, to see, because he said he was looking for a roommate a while back before that. And Found a place to live down in Johnson City, Tennessee. Oh, perfect. Uh, Jonesboro, to be exact, actually. And uh, to be a little bit closer to the band because traveling back and forth from Seattle is not only long but expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough commute. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Greg was like, yeah, we, we need you closer, man. We, we can't afford to fly you to and from Seattle all the time. And so, yeah, then, the, then you know, four years on the road with them. Uh, until this last December and it was experiences I'd never trade for anything. It was amazing. And then you, um, the, the first album that you're on, mm -hmm. um, ends up you, the IBMA for uh, fireball, the instrumental. Of the year. Yes. The, our album Long I Ride. So I joined the band. It, the uh, IBMA uh, was when I got the official. They officially asked me. My first gig wasn't until November 21st, I believe it was when it was. And uh, that was just an isolated gig in Chicago. And then played. Uh, our next gig was like two or three weeks later, actually up here in Door County, Wisconsin. And that is actually where I met my wife. Get out of which here. Was the second show I played with special consensus. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. The turn of events was pretty amazing. And so then right after that, we went right into the recording studio to record the long I ride record. I never, you know, imagined that, you know, it was always a dream of mine to be just nominated for an IBMA award, let alone win one. And um, sure enough, Fireball, the instrumental, uh, one instrumental recorded performance of the year in 2016. And I was just blown away. It's like I joined the band and bam, we get an IBMA award right away. It's just like, holy cow. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it, that's, it's an experience that's beyond words. You know, just the fact that we won it and the fact that people voted for it and you know, we worked really hard on it all, and it's it was awesome to see it pay off. It was a pretty big lineup on that track, too. Holy cow! Yeah, we uh, we it was all four of us, and um, Allison Brown played twin banjos with Greg, and then we had Rob Ikes on dobro and Trey Hensley on guitar, and Rick and I did twin mandolins, which was really fun. Yeah, I was gonna say that there's a twin mandolin solo on there that's awesome, and I was wondering who the other mandolin player was. That answers that question. Yep, yep, that was Rick, and we worked out that part, and it, it was so much fun. And we made a video of it, too. I think it's still on the band's website, um, but it, there was, like, a music video of all, all of us jamming it and everything. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was a blast. Was there a, um, from entering the recording studio with, like, an established band like that compared to your first couple of recording sessions, was there a big, big learning curve? Huge, huge learning curve. I was nervous as all get out. Yeah, going to, I, uh, I was I was incredibly nervous going into the studio. I was go I went into the studio with, you know, trying to have the best expectations of myself. You know, I'm always thinking about so okay, what would my favorite mandolin players do in the recording studio if I were just listening to a record? What kind of stuff would they play? And Adam Steffi is one of my all time favorite mandolin players. Sierra Hull, Rick, Ricky Skaggs was my first big big hero on mandolin, and 
And I was like, what, what, what would they do? So I'd come up with a solo. And then Allison Brown, she was also our producer and owner of Compass Records. She, um, she said, you know, that was a, that was a great, that was a great solo. So it's like, let's do that again and make it 50% less. <laughs> wow. Just, just kind of looked at him like, really? <laughs> She's, and this is where I learned the term less is more. Yeah. It's not all about how much, how many licks and whatever, every, how much you can put into that short amount of time where your solo is but it's about how tasteful you can make your solo. Let it breathe. Let it let it kind of speak for itself and don't try to make it sound like everybody else's solos on CDs. And I learned a lot just through that, not only on that recording, but on our second recording, I was on Rivers and Roads, same thing as well. And and by then, of course, I was a little bit more seasoned with the band, but still you learn every, learn new things every time you go in, especially having someone like Allison Brown there who is just a brilliant mind and the things that she imagines in her mind for what we're doing and puts them, puts them onto paper and makes it a reality. It's just incredible. That's great. Yeah. So much of that. It's like having a producer is, is having like that extra set of ears to, to give you feedback that you might be too close to, (laughs) you know what I mean? To, to take on yourself. Having this different perspective is, is huge for us. And she comes up with ideas that we never would have thought of. And it's, it's amazing. I love, I, I have probably listened to that version of Way Down the River Road uh, oh, hundreds yeah. of times. playing on that track just just the rhythm playing on it the movement the solo parts i I love it it's so good oh well well man you're you're too you're too kind thank you very much i uh my my first thought of that song holy cow is it fast yeah (laughs) yeah real fast (laughs) even when we play it on stage it's just like rick would count it off we go and we just look at each other here we go (laughs) it's funny you would say that because um, when I sat down to, to work on it, the first thing I was like is, I'm going to go to YouTube and see if they play it this fast live. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I think it might be quicker. <laughs> sometimes, yes. Uh, there are sometimes when Rick would count it off, Dan and I would look at him like, what is he thinking? Holy cow, this is way too fast. And we go into it and just freaking bust it, man. <laughs> it's oh, fun. Yeah. But yeah, I love that song. John Hartford has always been a uh, the hero of all of ours and and rivers and roads the whole record was kind of a tip at the tip of the hat to john hartford and his legacy and kind of the songwriting and the arrangements and way down the river road of course being a john hartford song right we had uh we had mark schatz come in and do the 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 foot dancing oh the, the that, tapping yeah that's so great and you know that I mean because John Hartford he always danced whenever he was playing have the tapping shoes and going on and and we wanted that effect to it to really give a tip of the hat to john that was so cool and when we we actually performed that song on the 2018 idna award show and we had mark come out and, and do the dancing with us which was it was such a treat it was so so much fun and that was a good year too yeah i also love on squirrel hunter speaking of the tip of the hat um yeah. we actually have the uh, intro from the john hartford Yes. Uh, the squirrel hunters. Yeah, this is the squirrel hunters. <laughs> this is the squirrel hunters. Yes, that was that was so cool. Allison was really, really, really trying to find that. Apparently, that recording itself, the original recording, was very hard to find. Really? Um, she's really good friends with John's daughter, Katie. Mm-hmm. And and she has, you know, pretty much everything from his collection and, and all, the, all the studio takes and everything. She has all of that, the original recordings. And that one particular was really hard to find. Um, 
but they found it some way somehow i don't know if they just found a way to pull it off of the the like the printed album or anything like that but they found a way to do it and john was playing the first fiddle solo on our track of squirrel hunters right kicks it right off it's just like you know i never thought you know in 2018 i'd get to play a song with a guy that's not alive anymore you know right yeah <laughs> and and we had two other fiddle players on there rachel Bayman and christian settlemeyer they um called themselves the 10 string symphony out of nashville tennessee it's just two two fiddles two five string fiddles and they played um the, the two fiddles on the rest of the song and and they did the harmonies and such and they played they they channeled their inner john hartford while they were playing it and then we did everything else around it and it was that was that was one of the coolest recordings i feel like i've been on not just that track but just the whole the whole album the the album's um, killer it's well, really great you. i'm really happy with how it turned out and that one as well uh we brought home two ibma awards for that one and uh instrumental recorded performance of the year again but this time for uh for squirrel hunters speaking of and then um, that album brought home album of the year for IBMA, which was, you know, it, we were nominated for five, I think uh, we were nominated for five different categories. Uh, we were instrumental recorded performance of the year, um, collaborative, or I think at the time it was uh, recorded event of the year, and then song of the year, gospel recording of the year, and album of the year. Man. So we were i believe the second award to be announced for instrumental recorded performance we got that then all the other ones went by and um we we didn't get those we're like well yeah well you know what hey one's better than nothing you know it's it's awesome and heck a nomination's amazing and so um then album of the year comes up and they call our name and our jaws just drop like no 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 there's got to be there's got to be a mistake here this this ain't uh, really <laughs> and we we got we got album of the year and that was a dream come true for me i mean just to be part of something that got that nod is it's an honor an absolute honor it's something i will never forget i'll cherish that the rest of my life what an amazing tie-in to the ibma you have <laughs> it's it's cool it, it's really cool um you know, I've gotten to know the IBMA director, Paul Schiminger, really, really well. He's a great, great guy. And just getting getting, getting the ties going with them is, is really, really cool. And you guys have a Grammy nod as well. Yes, that's, that's, that is where I was going next with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that Rivers and Roads, uh, just, it didn't quite end with, uh, with the IBMA. <laughs> we, got, um, we got a nomination for a Grammy Award Dude. for that for, for 2019 or 2018 2019 so what's it like to get that call like about ready to pass out type amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i remember waking up i was actually out in um in seattle this was in december when we found out i was out there and doing a little tour with chris luquette actually kind of everything kind of comes full circle again <laughs> and um we, chris luquette and a buddy of mine andrew knapp bass player from out there we like to get together for a little winter tour every year around the seattle area and uh, this was during that time and my mom comes screaming into my room it wakes me up it was like five or it was like six in the morning or something like that i was just groggy and tired and she starts screaming that we got nominated for a grammy i'm just like wait what <laughs> cool and i went back to sleep <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't even hit me and then I, I i woke up like 30 minutes later i was like wait what <laughs> what and then it hit me and i'm like oh my gosh this is incredible this is amazing and um yeah then then, then the excitement hit it's like yeah just don't wake me up at 5 a.m <laughs> tell me some news that big yeah no kidding <laughs> But um, yeah, that was that was amazing, and getting to go to the Grammys was a once in a lifetime experience. It's it's um, incredible because you know, as as you know, I'm sure not anybody can just buy a ticket to the Grammys, right? You right. Have to be nominated or someone was somewhat involved with the industry. Well, it's pretty much invite only, and and getting to see the production, getting to walk the red carpet, and I mean, huge 
huge business people around us. I mean, superstars all around us. It was, this is, I, I felt so out of place. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd see people, we'd see like the traveling McCurries walking down the aisle behind us. It's like, Hey, we know these guys. Yeah. What's up? Oh, nice. <laughs> We're not the only ones here. That feels <laughs> awkward around these superstars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and Paul Schumacher, the IBMA director, was actually there as well. That was really great to see him. Um, but getting to getting to do all that, and uh, the Travel McCurries took home the the award, and we were so happy for them. Um, and you know, I, getting a nomination alone is a win in my book. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's people that would live their whole lives dreaming dreaming of getting a Grammy nomination. And that was me, you know, I was like, you know what, I'll take a nomination over nothing. I'm so happy with that. And the experience of getting to go was, was worth it. hundred percent. It was, it was so great. So did you, so did you know that music was going to be your thing all your life? Was that like the. At first, before special. Well, yeah, I knew I was going to be playing all my life. I never knew I was going to be playing professionally until special c called me because i was actually uh excuse me i was um really really trying hard to get hired on with a railroad um, oh, no at kidding. the time i'm a big train buff i have been ever since i was two years old i i see your pictures uh yeah. i think it's awesome <laughs> I think it's Thanks, really man. cool, man. <laughs> that's my other passion is railroads and trains and railroad photography. I love doing that. And, and, um, I would been, was trying so hard to get hired on with a, with one of the big railroads out there in Seattle. And I tried and tried and tried and didn't get it. And then, you know, IBMA came around that time and, and Greg called me first and I'm like, well, you know what, this is my other passion, my other dream. I'm going to take it while the opportunity's here. And, uh, Glad I did because it changed my life forever for the better. And it all works out. Man. Like I said, I met my wife at the second show I ever played and that started going and ended up finding myself up here in Wisconsin. It's uh, all, all, all stepping stones in my opinion, just to the next chapter, you know, and, well, the next chapter was story of a beautiful life. Your uh, new album. Yeah. Yeah. My, my solo project. It's a great album. Great thank you. from from start to finish. Oh my gosh, thank you very much. That yeah, means a lot. Absolutely. Um, that record I, I'm very happy with it. It was a you know, it, it took it was a it was a long process. Um I actually started that record back when I was still in Washington, back but even when Stephen Burwell was still living in Washington. Stephen uh, he was getting into recording engineering and recording studio setups and such at his house and like you know what i've always wanted to start my own solo project and we started it and then got got some local friends to come play on it and a couple friends from out of town and it was good it was turning out to be all right and then steven got called to play with doyle and it got put pretty much on hold because he wasn't around to to record it and engineer it anymore well um and so i got put on hold for about a year or so and then i got called to play with special c ended up uh rooming with him like i said earlier down in tennessee so we started talking about the record again it's like hey we should finish this and we started listening to what we had done and steven's just like cringing at himself just knowing <laughs> how much how much he learned as a studio engineer between that time and then the time i moved down there he's like man i could have done this so much better i'm like I was listening to my playing as well. I felt like I had grown, you know, as a player as well. And within that time and, and I'm like, you know, I kind of feel the same way about my playing. It's like, you know what, why don't we just start this whole thing over from scratch and, and just completely clean slate, do it all again with everything that we've grown with. And it, it was, it was really, it was, it, we didn't want to have a product out there that we couldn't stand. 
And so we, we restarted it and I got different <laughs> players on there as I had gained relationships with a lot of, with all the players that are on the record now. And um, guys like Jake Workman for guitar. I got Jason Davis on banjo for a lot of it. Um, Dan Eubanks, of course, uh, from Specialty. I had him play bass on the whole record. And um, I actually got all the guys. I got Greg, Greg Cahill and Rick Ferris and Dan on, on uh, the second song on the record, Fish Caught a Bird. Thank you. I, that's a original tune I wrote. Wow. Oh gosh. Several years ago now. And, um, and I had a, my friend Maddie Denton playing fiddle on that track a Nashville fiddle player. She's phenomenal. And then, uh, the rest I had Stephen Burwell playing fiddle on the rest of the record. Uh, Amanda Smith singing some harmonies and, and, um, trying to remember everybody else <laughs> I had on there. Michael Kilby on Dobro. I had Josh Swift on Dobro on a couple tracks. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just so incredibly oh yeah, Jason Burleson on banjo on one track and his son Jacob Burleson on guitar on that same track. And oh, Chris cool. track? Chris Luquette. Uh, oh that one's on um When I'm Gone. I believe it's the second to last track on there. Chris Luquette had him come in and play a few guitar tracks as well. And um, man, it was just so much fun. Yeah, Rick Ferris sang some harmonies. His brother, Eddie, Eddie Ferris, sang all the baritones. And, you know, I never thought, like, just looking back, you know, before I knew any of these people, just back when I was just a picker in Washington, I never dreamed I'd ever have a record with that type of firepower behind me. I still don't feel deserving of it with having those guys. I mean, they are there's i mean been by some of my favorite people favorite players to listen to my whole life and to have them on the record with me is is it's a it's a again a dream come true and it's it just tickles me to to think that they agreed to do it and, and did it oh well dude when listening to the album there's it's no surprise why they why they uh took part <laughs> with you i mean it's great songs obviously great playing great singing thank you i mean it's just a great album well thank you very much man that that means a lot i'm i'm very happy with it a lot of work a lot of blood blood sweat and tears as they would say uh went into it and, and who knows i may do another one down the road one of these days uh oh I, you got it I man had a lot of fun doing this one I'll, yeah i don't want to do it too soon since this one just came out but maybe <laughs> a year or two right right maybe maybe think about doing it again but you know it was always a did you record it in nashville I recorded it mostly in, in Jonesboro, Tennessee, where I was living with Stephen Burwell. Um, we did it most of, believe it or not, most of that was done in his closet and his bedroom. Get out of here. It, it's amazing. His What he does is incredible. Um, the quality that, in my opinion, Stephen Burwell is one of the best studio engineers out there right now, and nobody really knows it. And yeah, you know, this was uh, this was my my record was really Steven's first production that has gotten out there. And I mean, if you didn't know any different, you think it was done at a, one of the big Nashville studios. Oh, for sure. I I just assumed. Yeah. Yeah. The quality is incredible. And so that's this just goes to show if you want to have a good record, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a big pro studio. Uh, but it, I, I'm not saying it. I'm not not talking down about big pro studios, of course, because I I love that experience and uh, and they're, that's what they're there for. But it's just it's all depends. It's all about what 
and who you have working on the record for you. Sure. Well, it's also the playing, man. I mean, again, your tone, it, your tone is is excellent. I mean, your tone. Oh, thank you. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, from you could definitely tell Steffi and Skaggs when you said Steffi Skaggs and Sierra Hall. I mean, your tone definitely sounds influenced by them. That really oh. nice full sound, even at fast speeds, which is tough. Yeah, it is absolutely. I, I, I the, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. You know, I, I, I'm always searching for the best ways to get the best tone out of my mandolin. My mandolin alone is one of the best mandolins I've ever had the chance to hold in my hands. It's um, it's a Hind mandolin, Hind Custom Instruments, uh, Steve Hind out of New Hartford, Iowa. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not, but he absolutely, is, he is it, hands down building the best mandolins out there right now. Best new mandolins out there. Um, hundred percent hand built, no machines help make that instrument as all his hands. And I kid you not, they're the best mandolins I've ever played. I mean, I have a lot of my students that have converted over to Heinz now and everyone he brings out is even better and better and better. And if you know anybody looking for a mandolin, that's the guy. <laughs> that's awesome. And they are beautiful too. Yes. I mean, I mean, it's one thing to make something that looks beautiful and it could sound terrible. I mean, there's all sorts of woodworkers oh, yeah. who can make wood look beautiful with finish and stuff, but to make it beautiful and sound beautiful. That's oh yeah. Like make next it sound, level. make it sound as good, even better than they look. You know, it's just, it, he's got, he's the whole package and you know, he's, considering the quality of the instrument he's really in inexpensive too um it's it's an incredible investment you could do getting one of those but um yeah i love that i actually have another one on the way from him oh, right now too do you really super super excited it's gonna be really special um seeing i'm a, seeing i'm a train buff it's gonna have a steam locomotive inlaid on the headstock oh get out of here really it's gonna be ridiculous i'll 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 uh I'll send you a picture of it on the oh, please on do, messenger man. so you can see it. It's pretty yeah, cool. I would love to see it. Yeah, it's 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 out of this world. <laughs> so I'm super excited about that. I should have that maybe by the by the end of this year. What are some of the things that you were doing when you were when you were a bit younger trying to uh to, to develop your style? because um, you have a really good uh, I mean, you have a you have the uh rare ability to play very quick tasteful at the same which usually don't go together but the tone never <laughs> seems to uh well you know it is sometimes sometimes yeah. it's just like wow that's a blur of notes that just seem to go nowhere but you know yeah. to fit the song and then to also sound good you know what i mean again like tone it, it yeah. you know there's always that fine line of losing it when you're playing fast and it's you seem to, to maintain do. it <laughs> it's easy to do it's a lot of it's right hand technique too and this is something another thing i learned how to uh how to get better at again was through like my studio experience at compass records with Allison Brown. Another thing is less is more. So, um, you, you grip harder with the pick. You want to grip harder with your pick, the faster that you go, because your, your body naturally is going to be like, well, if I'm going to go faster, I need to, I need to really hang on to this thing so it doesn't fly out of my hands. <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case. You still want to have kind of a lighter pick grip. That way that pick can glide on and off the strings a little easier. The more tension you have, the more pressure you have on that pick, the more it's going to want to get stuck between the strings. So you want that pick to be able to wiggle around between your fingers, still have it tight enough to where you're not going to fly. It's not going to fly out on you, but if you you have a lighter pick grip, and the faster you go, it will be a lot smoother to 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 work with, and that's how I work with speed. I work things up like with scale licks, like full scale patterns, major scale patterns, go up and down and up and down and up and down until I I speed it up every time as I go. That's always what I do for warm ups, but that's what I have a lot of my have a lot of my students do as well for working on speeds, and and it helps. And you know the thing is is when it comes to speed when learning a mandolin i put speed last because you want to concentrate on all the little details of of playing mandolin before you get to speed like pick direction needs to be right your tone find your tone that you really like and your timing and and just get to know the songs that you're playing note for note you want to make sure your clarity is just spot on you know no soldiers left behind as they say you don't want to yeah. leave any of those you don't want to leave any of those notes behind if you miss one if you do keep on going and get it the next time but i you always strive to make sure every note rings and sings like a bell you know 
And once you get that at, at a slower speed, then you start working things up. Once you have all of those parameters met, speed is going to naturally come a lot easier. And and it's got, because you have everything correct. You have all of your technique correct. And because if you try to do something with, with your pick direction, you know, all over the map or anything like that, you're going to be limited to a certain speed because your hand can't do so many downstrokes at a certain speed or, or too many upstrokes, vice versa. So if you have your pick direction going the right way and everything else, like I just mentioned, it's just going to make life a lot easier. Yeah. Dude, anytime I find a stumbling point in a song, it's always pick direction. Yeah, it's one of the biggest things. It can be very tedious to work with. It's very frustrating. The, some of the most tedious work on, on mandolin when as you're learning something. But I always tell all my students that it is the most important thing you can do on the mandolin is get that pick direction right. Discipline yourself like a drill sergeant to get that pick direction right. Because in the end, it's going to make you 10 times the player. You know, because you could just play everything so fluid and so clean, and it's just going to be so much easier. And, and it's just that's usually nine times out of ten. If you may have everything right with your left hand, but you, something gets flubbed up, it's nine times out of ten to pick direction going backwards because you just lose that groove. You lose the groove. And yeah, it's like I said, it could be a little tedious work sometimes, but it's worth it. It's worth Absolutely. it in the end. Yeah, I agree 100%. That's another thing I learned over all the years, you know, playing and, and teaching too. You know, I mean, I, I, I learn a lot myself as a teacher throughout through teaching and learn different ways to explain things and, and go about different things because that is everybody learns in a different way. And, and I, you know, I have my main methods that I do, but I, I'm not afraid to branch away from those to help someone even further. And, you know, I have a couple students of mine that are absolutely just phenomenal players right now. Um, it's, it's truly a treat to see somebody from the ground up, just love what they're doing and play, you know, as good as some of the pros out there now. I have a couple students that are that way. And of course they're, they're young, you know, they got the, they got the young thing going for them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I remember, it's just like, oh, darn kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I know that's, that was a quite the elaboration on tone and everything. But No, no, that's great. I love that stuff. And I do want to um, just going back to your album. Uh, one yes. of my, one of my favorite tracks on there. And, and, and again, tone is, is cascade runaway. That's a fun song. That was actually written by a good friend of mine, another uh, guitar player that used to be in uh, the Seattle, Washington area. His name's Jake Dewhurst. And um, he lives, I believe, uh, like three hours from Nashville or something like that. Now they move. He's in the he's in the army. So they move around quite a bit. Um, but he wrote that song back. He wrote that song for Northern Departure, actually, back in the day. And and we never we never actually did it. But I always loved the song, but we never actually just got it worked up. And I was like, man, I want a good faster instrumental for the record. And I was like, oh man, I remember this song. So I started playing it and relearning it on the mandolin. So that's I decided to put it on the record. And yeah, it's fun. Um, what everybody else did on the rec on that song too, it just blew my mind of their solos, and it was kind of that minory feel to the song because the f sharp minor is the the key of the song so not your typical key for a for an instrumental as it is and and i love what everybody did on it they they outdid themselves it was so much fun how did you pick the um the two traditional tunes uh the two fiddle tunes i should say on there because those are two of my favorite fiddle tunes um cherokee shuffle and big sayota right yeah exactly yeah i'm always um i'm always curious like when tunes like that end up on albums what it was um that that you chose those two
Well, as you just said, they're your two, two of your favorite fiddle tunes. They are two of my favorite fiddle tunes. I wanted this album to re- kind of reflect who I am and what I can, what I do, and what I enjoy. And, and you know, I could, I kind of had the whole record full of original tunes, but it's like you know, I wanted it a mix of instrumental and vocal tunes, and a mix of a couple of my favorite traditional songs and originals. And the traditional songs were, you know, for instrumentals were Big Sayota and Cherokee Shuffle, just because I those are I love those songs, and I wanted to have you know my own version of them, my own yeah. my own recording of them, because I just I I love playing those songs so much, and that's kind of the same with the song Julianne, the, the Doyle Doyle Lawson tune that they did years ago. It's another one of my favorite trad songs to just jam and sing and play and uh that hadn't been recorded in a while well i guess until recently until doyle released his live record right <laughs> but <laughs> which is awesome i love that record so good um, and i was like you know what what the heck let's do this one i love seeing this one Ferris, holy cow, his tenor harmony on that song is just nuts. It was way, way up there. Uh, he, sings, <laughs> he sings higher than almost anybody I know. And, um, but yeah, I just wanted it to reflect who I am and what I like. And then um, also to, to show some of the original work that I've been able to come up with. A lot of the original songs are actually written, the vocal tunes at least, were, the lyrics were written by my mom. Oh, no and kidding. She's a, she's a wonderful lyricist. And uh, I would that be kind of our team team effort. I would come up with the melodies and arrangements, and she would come up with the lyrics. And uh, we have a few other songs that haven't been recorded yet, so I'd probably think about putting those on another record if I do it. And um, but yeah, I just wanted, wanted a mix of a little bit of everything. Have instrumentals, have some nice mellow tunes, and some nice hard driving tunes. I want to have a nice variety on the record. Yeah, you, mission accomplished. It sounds <laughs> I mean, the whole thing's great. Well, thank you, thank you very much. One of one of my personal, one of my, and of course, green light on the southern. I had to put a good train song. On. Yeah, that's when I when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, this is like, um, uh, it had like, it had to be on there. <laughs> the ultimate train song. I mean, Norman Blake nailed it on the head with that one. I mean, he got all the railroad terminology right, even and everything. It is amazing. Sidetrack at the south end of town On a hot, dry, dusty August day Steam pipe blowing down Fireman with his long old can Oil in the old bound gears Waiting on the fast mail train The semaphore to clear The engineer in the old high cab Gold watch in his hand but I, that's another another one like of those old songs that I've loved to sing forever. Uh, not just because it's about trains. It's just such a great song. And um, Josh Swift's Dobro solo on that just melts me every time. It's just perfect. I love it. And that's one of the tracks I had Chris Luquette on for guitar. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, but one of my one of my all time favorite tracks on that record is an original tune called Sunset Falls. It's another one that dates back to Northern Departure. We tried recording that um, a couple different times, but for, for whatever reason, it just never made the cut. And I'm like, 
well, dang it, this song is going to get out to the world one of these days. So <laughs> I made that happen <laughs> with my solo record, and I'm, I'm really happy with how that one turned out. That's one of those more mellow instrumentals. It just kind of flows along, you know, just imagine just driving down a highway somewhere by yourself and just letting it just put you in a trance, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just hey, one of those things. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I, 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 don't feel like I'm deserving of the guys that played on this record. I mean, they are what made this, they, they helped really make it what it is, you know, and, and I'm so thankful and honored to have these people on there. It's, it's truly is, uh, it's, a, it's a treat. It's still a dream. I feel like it still didn't happen. <laughs> and then just a couple, just a couple more quick questions. Cause I know you do have uh, students lined up here for today. So coming up pretty quick um, for um, we, we kind of talked gear already, but I do like the nerdy stuff as well. So what type of strings and picks? I use Elixir strings for mandolin. I use the medium gauge nano webs. They're in my opinion, the best strings out there. Uh, I love them and uh, I've been using them forever. They last forever. They sound great. You know, not all mandolins. Mandolins accept different kinds of strings differently. And I know some people that have other types of mandolins that the elixirs just didn't sound that great on. You know, Diodario sounded better on them. But, um, you know, nine times out of ten, everybody I tell to try elixirs out, they love them. I mean, because they last so long and they hold that tone forever. And, you know, I love them. And then picks, I use blue chip. Uh, it's a, the TPR 60 is what I use. I highly recommend that pick just because it's not too rounded, but not too pointed. I feel like it could really, really, really pull some of the best deep tones out of the instrument. And you know, I don't do any pickups or anything. I never, never have. I've always done everything straight acoustic. I have an ear trumpet, um, ear trumpet labs microphone that I take everywhere with me for my mandolin. It's an Edwina model. And holy cow, what a mic that thing is. That is, it's just incredible. It really is one of the more true sounding mics I've ever played into. And I mean, it sounds like from the stage, you know, I've had a lot of people say how well the, that mandolin mics. And I was like, you know, it's one, I mean, the mandolin is just, it does mic incredibly well, the hind mics on anything incredibly well, but this mic is exceptional. It, it really sounds like the instrument is just playing acoustically right in front of your face as you're playing through the mic and um that's about it yeah i have a tone guard on the back of the mandolin i wouldn't play without one of those because that if, uh, if anybody doesn't have a tone guard give it a try because those things really make your mandolin sing to their fullest potential it keeps that back away from your belly and yeah it's and physics man people who are like physics. tone guards don't work i'm like dude it, 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 yeah it, they do work <laughs> they really really do work it's just like if you want to test it Put the mandolin against your belly, play something, then take it away from your belly and play something. You'll hear that difference. I mean, yeah. that brings the volume out 25% more. Absolutely. That wood vibrates. So you need exactly. that wood to vibrate, and that makes it, it makes it happen. Think of it like an air chamber. You got one of those walls in that air chamber blocked up by a blanket or something like that. It's just not going not gonna to work the way it should. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Same, same, kind of, same kind of concept. Yep, all about those them. physics. <laughs> yeah, it's right, all about physics, man. Yeah, man. And then um, I know we did talk a little bit about, um, you know, your uh, tone and things that you recommend for your students. But I do have a, a question I like to ask is if you had 10 minutes a day to work on something, what is something that you would work on to help to help get better? Um, um, well, work on work on tunes like fiddle tunes and such like that. You know, I do a lot of stuff based off of fiddle tunes because there's so much out of those tunes that you can pull out. For any song because if you have a huge bank of fiddle tunes under your belt like say you want to come out with a solo for a traditional vocal tune and jam session take this lick from over here so like tunes just play tunes or scales scales is really important do scale patterns do major scales up and down do foldings patterns around that major scale even if you're working on it 10 minutes a day because that's a good thing to work on for pick direction you can work with scales because it's something that you don't necessarily have to think super hard about. And so if you're really wanting to become a clean player, full of tone, timing, timing good, that's something you don't really have to think about too much with your left hand because it's just a scale going up and down. You can really kind of concentrate on the rest of those little details while you're doing that. And it's a good exercise to, to work on clarity and cleanliness as a player. Um, something, even if you only have 10 minutes a day, it's better than nothing. I always look at, you know, people, there's some guys that practice eight hours a day. It's just right. like, oh, I don't know how they do that. I know. <laughs> but, I... but 
again, they're some of the best players in the world that do. Absolutely. But I, the way I look at it, you know, people have lives, people have jobs, you know, sometimes they, they got families and you can't necessarily get all the practice you need, but any practice is better than no practice. That's my whole theory on that yes. question. Anybody yes. can get better. There's Anybody no reason. Can. Yeah. There's no reason to be like, I'll never be able to play. You can, if you put you any focus in it, you can play. Exactly. In all ages, there is no age that is too old or too young to start. Exactly. Well, maybe, maybe too young. I don't know if yeah. a one-year-old could do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there's no there's no age limit. I'll yeah. say that. There's no age limit to start playing. And, and the, the key to everything is have fun. Yes. You want to have fun. You're doing this for you. And, and you want to – yes, you bring people enjoyment with your music, but you want to enjoy it yourself. And, and that's the biggest thing is have fun with it. And then it is, it is mandolins and beer. And so I don't know if you uh, imbibe in, in beers at all, but if, do you have a favorite beer? I'm Believe it or not, I'm actually not really a drinker. Yeah, no worries, man. But, you know, I mean, I have had a blue moon here and there. I don't mind right that on. one. That one's not yeah, bad. Yeah, not that's bad a good beer. All. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, I've never been much of, a, much of a drinker, you know, maybe socially here and there. But Sure. Yeah, no that's worries, about, man. I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bland when it comes. You know, a glass of ice water is was what'll do it for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it'll help you play better live too. <laughs> well, right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, <see. laughs> well, man, yeah, man, Nick, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, Love thank you playing, for having man. Me. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on here, and uh, thanks for thinking of me. And uh, we definitely need to keep in touch. For sure. Send me that picture of the uh, of your uh, inlay. Yeah, I'll do that. Awesome. Ta- thanks so much, Nick. Yeah, man. All right. Thank you so much to Nick for taking the time today. Had a great talk. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to all the sponsors, obviously, Mandolin Cafe, Peghead Nation, and, and Welcome Northfield. So thanks, everybody. Cheers, and have yourselves a great week.